Good morning, Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000 Watt Front Porch, where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning today is the peak of the hurricane season, and Syria is reportedly authorizing a chemical attack. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So we now have two presidents taking credit for the good economy who deserves the credit we'll talk about that next and good monday morning it's 602 on news radio 93.1 today is the peak of the atlantic hurricane season and forecasters at the national hurricane center in miami are earning their pay keeping up with three hurricanes swirling out in the ocean hurricane florence is bearing down on the carolinas where it may arrive as a major hurricane as early as Thursday. Then comes Hurricane Isaac, packing 75-mile-per-hour winds, which is churning toward the Caribbean. For the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico, um, those areas need to monitor uh, Isaac, although it's still very uncertain. And at least for now, our forecast track goes to the south of those locations, but they should certainly monitor Isaac uh, since they're near the path, the expected path of the system. Hurricane specialist John Cangiolosi says furthest out is Hurricane Helene, which is expected to stay well out to sea. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Out west, they can't buy a drop of rain where Interstate 5 in Northern California is still shut down north of Redding because of the Delta fire. The fire has burned over 40,000 acres and is only 5% contained. The interstate has been closed since last Wednesday. The fire is burning on both sides of Interstate 5, and officials worry it could pose a danger to drivers. Fire officials believe the Delta fire will be burning until at least September 22nd. That's their estimated containment date. About 2,400 firefighters are battling that blaze. Overseas, the Syrian government may be preparing to use chlorine gas against the nation's last rebel stronghold. That's according to U.S. officials. Washington is preparing options for a response if the regime of President Bashar al-Assad carries out the attack. But President Trump reportedly hasn't decided what would trigger that response. Trump also reportedly threatened to carry out an attack against the Syrian regime if there are mass killings in the Ild province where thousands of rebels are holding out along with as many as three million civilians. I noticed uh, Vice President Mike Pence yesterday in his interview with Fox News Sunday kept bringing up the fact that if Syria uses chemical weapons, there will be a response. And he made sure to keep bringing that up more than once, which tells me they have some you know, real intelligence that that's a possibility. That's probably going to happen. That's really scary, though. Yeah. It really, really is scary. And we have to respond, I believe, because Assad can't be allowed to do this kind of stuff. Well, Trump has responded the past two times. Oh, yeah. So, but who knows? Obviously, that Assad is not getting the message. So we just got to keep delivering it. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Back here out west, a Dallas police officer who shot and killed a man in his own apartment is now facing charges. Officer Amber Geiger was arrested on a manslaughter charge for killing 26-year-old Botham Jean last week. Geiger, whose wife claims she thought she was entering her own apartment last Thursday and found herself face-to-face with Jean, who's black. Geiger has been with the force for about four years. In 2017, she reportedly shot and injured a suspect during an arrest, but was cleared in that shooting. Miami Dolphins receivers Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson are the first players of the 2018 regular season to kneel during the national anthem. Each did so before Sunday's game between the Dolphins and the Titans in Miami. 
Former 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick thanked both players via Twitter and called them his brothers. And finally, former CBS CEO Les Moonves says he's, quote, deeply saddened, end quote, to be stepping down following accusations of sexual misconduct. In a statement, Moonves said the numerous allegations were false and not consistent with who he is. A dozen women have accused Moonves of misconduct, with six of the 12 claims coming to light just over the weekend. In a New Yorker article published Sunday morning, the women said Moonves exposed himself to them, was physically violent, and threatened to hurt their careers. As part of the deal that brought about his exit, Moonves and CBS will donate $20 million toward the Me Too movement. WFLA uh, News Time at 6.06, and you can read about a teen falling to his death while taking a selfie at Yosemite National Park. Do these stories all too often. Jeez. Really, you do these stories a lot where people die of selfies? Yeah. I mean, I know you've done it before, but wow. It's too much. It's too often. Yeah. (laughs) I think once is too often. Exactly. I agree. But you can get the story details online at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Deborah Roberts, and Michael Yaffe. Yes, and this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back tomorrow, but we still have Deborah Roberts giving us the news at the top and bottom of the hour. Kind we of. Have, kind of. <laughs> no, you always do a great job. And then we have Paul, who is producing, and Austin, who is screening your calls at 407 916 5400. So President Obama is back on the campaign trail. That's right. You heard me right. Obama is back on the campaign trail. We're going to talk about that next, but I have an important announcement that I want to get out at the beginning of the show here. Um, There is a new movie coming out about Kermit Gosnell, the abortion doctor who was convicted of murder. Well, there's going to be a special screening this Thursday, September 13th at the AMC uh, at the Altamont Mall, the AMC Theater at the Altamont Mall. I will be at the screening and I'll be hosting the screening and we will be doing a Q&A session and, and one of the Gosnell filmmakers will be there as well. So if you want to join me for this important movie screening, join me this Thursday It's at the AMC Altamont, and the way you can join me is what you have to do is you have to visit WFLAOrlando.com slash contests to sign up for tickets. So if you want to sign up for tickets, you got to sign up for tickets. If you want to go to the movie screening, visit WFLAOrlando.com slash contest to sign up for tickets. The film follows the investigation, arrest, and trial of Dr. Kermit Gosnell, and um, it's very important. Very important movie. I will be there as well. We'll do the Q&A session. All right. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, and this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back tomorrow. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Beyond Reason R. So you heard me correctly at the top of the hour when I was introducing the topic. We now have two presidents taking credit for the good economy. You have former president Barack Obama, and you have the current president, Donald Trump. I want you to call me and tell me who deserves credit for this economy. 
And by the way, there is one entity missing that could also take credit for the good economy. And I'll say that in a sec. But former President Barack Obama was at the University of Illinois last week, and he made his debut in the campaign trail. Now, this is a little unorthodox for former presidents to do this. It has been tradition lately, at least in the past like 50 years or so, for former presidents to stay off the campaign trail and let the new president do his work. Well, Obama, they, they begged him. The Democrat Party begged him to come back. I mean, Jake Tapper on CNN practically begged him to come back. I remember that a few weeks ago. And you knew Obama could not resist. So Obama was speaking to some students at the University of Illinois, and this is what he said about the current good economy. No, I'm arguing that the 2016 election was a dumpster fire. Uh, And that that both of these candidates who went into the election most... Pause that. Make sure uh, the bottom audio cut is muted. And then we'll get back to it. That was like double audio. (laughs) It happens. Technical difficulties. All right, go ahead and play cut one when you got it. Household income was near its all-time high, and the uninsured rate had hit an all-time low, and wages were rising, and poverty rates were falling. Uh, I mention all this just so when you hear how great the economy is doing right now, let's just remember uh, when this recovery started. Um, I mean, I'm... I'm glad it's continued, but when you hear about this economic miracle that's been going on. All right, so President Obama basically taking credit for the good economy. Um, Vice President Mike Pence was joined by Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday, and he reacted to Obama's speech. This is what he had to say. We inherited an economy that was growing a little bit more than 1%. In the last quarter, our economy is growing at 4.2%. 4 million new jobs, unemployment at a 50-year low. And uh, to have President Obama come out and tout uh, his policies that resulted in less than 2% growth, which saw tax increases, Obamacare regulation, and a doubling of the national debt, uh, I think uh, was... uh, it, it was it was very disappointing, but frankly, uh, frankly, I think it just illuminates the choice the American people have in the midterm elections. All right, so Mike Pence with a pretty good response there. He's right on everything he said. Now, President Trump was also at a rally last week in Montana, and he um, reacted to President Obama's speech. And in troll-like fashion, this is what he said. Yeah, very popular guy here was just interviewing me. You know who I'm talking about, great guy. And he said, uh, what do you think of President Obama's speech? And I said, I'm sorry, I watched it, but I fell asleep. (laughs) I found he's very good, very good for sleeping. I don't care who you are. It's pretty funny. I mean, nobody can troll better than Trump. It's funny when other candidates on both sides try to troll like Trump does. They They just can't. Nobody trolls better than Trump. But there's one thing... I thought about when all this was going on and all the talk about this going on that a lot of people aren't saying. Forget the the debate for a second on who deserves credit for the good economy. The fact is the Democrats now know that they can't campaign against the economy. The economy is doing so well right now. There's job growth. There's economic growth. Consumer confidence is up, so on and so forth. Wages are starting to go up. The Democrats know that they can't campaign against a bad economy. 
So they've changed their strategy. And Obama now knows they can't say Trump's ruining the economy because the economy is so good. Some have tried to do that, but it's not going to be a good strategy. So what they did is they changed strategies and they're like, okay, we understand the economy is really great as well. But it was actually President Obama who made the economy great. It's an interesting, different strategy that they put out there. We'll see if it's going to work, but it to me, it shows that the Democrat Party realizes that the good economy could hurt them in the midterms. 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680 or standard message and data rates apply. I'm going to talk more about this. We'll take your calls. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So I'm getting a bunch of text messages in on whether Trump or Obama should take credit for the good economy. One person said this, I suppose Obama could take credit for keeping the economy suppressed and leaving so much room for improvement. Another person said Trump gets 100% of the credit. No entity and no former administration can take any credit. And one person says the only thing Obama can take credit for is eight years of dismal economy and massive job loss. So I will say this. There was a little bit of economic growth that happened under Obama. There was a little bit of job growth that happened under Obama. When we hit the bottom of the recession and after that, there was a little bit of growth. But there's one other thing that happened under the Obama administration that the Democrats are not going to talk about. And most of the media is conveniently forgetting. While Obama was president, don't forget that the Republicans controlled both houses of Congress under President Obama. So if Obama starts taking credit for the good economy, he has to remember that the Republicans can come out and say, yeah, things got a little bit better when we took Congress, because really that is when things got a little bit better. Let's take a call here real quick. Let's go to Dave in Longwood. Dave, what's your take on this? Well, good morning, Happy. Um, the Obama economy uh, was uh, bad. Uh, did not improve until the day after Trump got elected, and uh, he has been going uh, gangbusters ever since. Um, he is the one that gets the credit for it. And again, like you said, when the Republicans were uh, in charge of the Congress, they're the ones that. Uh, kind of helped Obama along by not allowing Obama to adopt certain policies. So I agree that uh, Mr. Trump, President Trump, is the uh, person that is responsible for this uh, economy that we're in, the hiring that's going on, and the uh, economic numbers that uh, are, we're seeing. All right, Dave, I appreciate your call. Can we uh, just clarify real quick, though? What? Because it's not like nothing happened under the Obama administration. I mean, you're looking at the last two years of the Obama administration, and from what I'm reading here, we did 2.2 million jobs in 2016, 2.5 million jobs in 2015, 2.1 million jobs in 2017. And mm-hmm. so it's not like nothing, you know, if anything. Well, that's what I said. There yeah. was some economic growth. Now, when you look over now, the. Now, granted, the, I don't know if it's definitely something Obama did. I would give more con- uh, credit to Congress anyway because they're the ones who actively actively enact legislation that well, provides well, opportunity. Well, here's but. the thing. There was some economic growth and there was some job growth under Obama. And it's going to be hard to meet some of that job growth because Obama hit a bottom exactly. with the recession. Exactly. And anytime you get out of a recession, now it was one of the slowest economic recoveries in history. 
But when you hit the bottom of a recession and you're trying to pull out of it, you can have more job growth. The fact that there's this much job growth already when when employment's already almost full is kind of an amazing thing. Obama doesn't, I mean, Trump doesn't deserve all the credit for it because the Congress does because of the tax cuts. Right. Mostly when I hear economists talk about it, when they talk about the growth in the stock market, when they talk about the growth in consumer confidence, when they talk about business investment, and when they talk about the good economy, they say one of the biggest reasons that is happening is because of the tax cuts and the deregulation. And those two, th- you, the two things you mentioned at the end is the growth in consumer confidence and in economic investment. Those are the two main things that have taken off during the Trump administration. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the tax cuts. But also, you know, when we talk about if a president deserves credit for a good economy, really, a president can only do so much when it comes to a free economy. Exactly. It's hard to give any president full credit. What a president can do best, though, is stay out of the way. That's my opinion on this. When the president stays out of the way, when when uh, businesses and when the economy and when the markets know that a president's not going to get in the way of anything they're going to do, that's what helps the economy. There has been one thing that has hampered the economy a little bit and hampered the stock market a little bit in the past couple years. What is that thing? It's the trade wars. It's the tariffs. What are tariffs? That's another thing implemented by government and government policy. Exactly. So the one thing that has hampered economic growth a little bit has been government intervention in the economy. Right. I'm a libertarian when it comes to economics most of the time, and I believe if the government stays out of the way for the most part, allows businesses to grow, and gets out of the way, that's what can really help the economy. Speaking of the economy, we have the Bloomberg Business Report, which is coming up after the bottom of the hour news with Deborah Roberts. It's 629 here on Good Morning Orlando. So, Deb, it's been a year since uh, Hurricane Irma. I know. And now we're watching, what, three different storms in the Atlantic today? Three hurricanes on wow. what is, uh, you know, the statistical peak of the hurricane season. It looks as of now, knock on wood, that none of them are going to hit us. But um, Florence looks pretty dangerous for those north of us. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Hurricane Florence is rapidly strengthening over the southwest Atlantic and is expected to become a major hurricane this morning. As of 5 a.m. Eastern time, the National Hurricane Center located Florence about 625 miles southeast of Bermuda, moving west-northwest at 9 miles an hour. Top winds are 105 miles per hour, making it a Category 2 storm. But hurricane specialist John Cangiolosi says Florence isn't done powering up. Predicted wind speeds are to get stronger as it approaches. Um, we have a prediction of it getting up to, well, we do it in knots, 130 knots uh, in a couple of days. Uh, and then, so that is Category 4 strength by the time it gets near the east coast of the United States. The current forecast track takes Hurricane Florence between Bermuda and the Bahamas tomorrow and Wednesday and toward the southeastern coast of the United States, somewhere in the Carolinas on Thursday. Again, today is the statistical peak of the Atlantic hurricane season, which ends November 30th. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Florida's economy is doing better than expected. Sean Snaith with the University of Central Florida says the economy added more jobs than predicted in August, but that's not all. The wage growth uh, that we saw in this report, which was uh, at at 2.9 percent, 
And so that that strengthening of the wage growth, um, in, in my mind, probably is is the data point that that sticks out the most. Disney union members approved a new contract last week, which raises the minimum wage from $10 to $15 an hour by 2021. Snaith says the move shows Disney is realizing that in order to retain top talent, higher wages are essential. He says other parks like SeaWorld and Universal may follow suit as they also try to retain a skilled workforce. Snaith says the rise in wages, though, won't likely increase prices of Disney admission instead of things like the popularity of the park, combined with the need to build out new attractions and upgrade existing Existing ones has been the big driver of admission price increases in the past. And gas prices in Florida are down for a tenth day in a row. AAA reports the current statewide average for a gallon of regular is $2.76, four cents less than a week ago. The most expensive gas prices averages in Florida are in West Palm Beach, Boca Raton at $2.86. The least expensive are in Punta Gorda at $2.69 and Jacksonville and Orlando at 271. However, AAA warns that Hurricane Florence could impact the regional gasoline supply, a uh, gasoline supply chain rather, and lead to rising prices. Oh, that hurricane. I know. They were. <laughs> <laughs> you can get these stories and more at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Yes, we are talking with Gina Cervetti from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. And Gina, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm well. How about yourself? I am doing pretty good, pretty good. So um, what are the stock futures pointing to today? Well, it looks like we're headed for a higher Wall Street Open to kick off the new week. The futures are higher. We're going to watch shares of CBS after Chief Executive Les Moonves stepped down in the wake of sexual harassment allegations, which he denies. And we'll watch Tesla as CEO Elon Musk finally sees a success story after a tumultuous few months with today's launch by SpaceX of a commercial satellite there from Florida. Shares of Tesla are rising this morning. Investors watching some things here today, the prospect of this further escalation of a trade war with China and also bracing for higher interest rates after that healthy job report that we saw on Friday, as you mentioned, showed signs of wage inflation. We did see stocks slip a bit on Friday, with the Dow down about 79 to 25,917. The S&P lost six points, about two-tenths percent, closed at 2872. The Nasdaq fell 20 points, closing at 7903. And the Orlando index rose about a tenth of a percent. And I was talking about the trade wars and the tariffs earlier in the show, and you have a story about Apple warning about the trade war as well. What is Apple saying? Well, as you know, it's possible that President Trump could implement this next round of tariffs on China, about $200 billion worth of products. And Apple is now saying that those proposed tariffs imported from China would raise prices for some of Apple's popular items, such as the Apple Watch, the AirPods headphones. President Donald Trump tweeted over the weekend, though, that there's a simple solution. He said, just make the products in the U.S. where there would be zero tariffs. Uh, Meanwhile, Apple this week, Michael, kicks off a new product blitz starting Wednesday with the focus on the latest iPhones. All right. And there has been a lot of news lately about a trucker shortage out there. Companies trying to find more truckers and Walmart is doing the same. What is Walmart doing? Yeah, Walmart has one of the nation's largest private truck fleets. But amid a driver shortage, it plans to double down on spending to find and retain new drivers by the end of the year. And among other things, Walmart plans to offer referral bonuses of up to $1,500 and shorten the process for new hires. 
Walmart only enlists seasoned drivers with at least 30 months' experience over the prior three years. New hires can earn about $86,000 a year with as many as 21 paid vacation days. And by the way, this program coincides with National Truck Driver Appreciation Week, which is this week. I did not know that. How about that? (laughs) Thanks for informing us on that. And um, you have some news coming out of the U.S. Open Tennis Championship. What do you got for us? Well, Naomi Osaka, who is the first Japanese person to win a Grand Slam singles title, may spur sales of her sponsors, including Nissan Foods and Yonex, which makes sports equipment. The 20-year-old female player beat Serena Williams at the U.S. Open in New York. A Nissan spokesman says the company is considering selling its cup noodles instant ramen featuring her image and she's also set to receive a bonus payment from sponsor citizen watch which said it's considering featuring the 20 year old in television commercials all right gina cervetti from new york city giving us the latest on the business world and we'll talk to you again tomorrow gina take care mike so I didn't get to it in the last half hour, but I have to get to it in this next segment. There's something that President, former President Obama said in his speech in Illinois. Didn't get a lot of attention, but it caught my attention, and there's a reason why. And we're going to have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, so you can still get us on 102.5 just for the month, but at the end of the month, You can only get us on the FM dial at 93.1. So if you're listening to us on 102.5 right now, you need to change it to 93.1. But also, we're still on AM 540. That is our 50,000-watt powerhouse, so you can get us on AM 540 as well. So I got some text coming in that was saying that Trump deserves the credit for the tax cuts. One person said it was Trump who moved Congress to take action. Um, I will say this. The tax cuts, I mean, I think any of, pretty much any of those Republican candidates, with maybe the exception of Jeb Bush, would have passed some kind of tax cut package like that. I, I, do, give, I do give Trump credit, though, because if Trump were not president, the tax cut package would not have happened. There's That's no doubt about that. I was going to say. Paul Ryan would have put it in when Obama was president if he knew it wouldn't get vetoed. Yeah, I mean, Paul Ryan was a big part of it. The tax cut package has been wanted for a long time, especially cutting the corporate tax um, rate. But it was also Trump's plan when he was running, and Trump pushed it, and Trump signed it. So Trump does deserve some of the credit for that. I just wanted to point that out. Now, we were talking about President Obama, former President Obama, entering the campaign trail. And there's a little something that he said that sparked my interest, and there's a reason why. Just a little bit of something here, kind of said it real quick and then moved on to other things. But I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here is what Obama said. And by the way, the the claim that everything will turn out okay because there are people inside the White House who secretly... Go to to Obama 3. Was that Obama 2? Go to Obama 3, yeah. Oh, go to Obama 2. So Democrats aren't just running on good old ideas like a higher minimum wage. They're running on good new ideas like Medicare for all. They're running on good new ideas like Medicare for all. You know that was a shot to Florida specifically, right? Well, not only Florida, but you have um, there was a race last week where a progressive won, and then in New York, Cortez, she's there True. as well. But I'm just saying, you know, Gillum's running on that platform specifically. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and the Democrats, I mean, Bernie Sanders has been running. The Democrats are really starting to push this more and more. But I just wanted to point that out because I remember when Obama was pushing Obamacare and people like me behind microphones were telling you, this is just the beginning. This is just a stepping stone. Once you open that door a little bit where it's the government's role to provide your health care, it's not going to stop there. It's not going to stop with Obamacare because Obamacare won't work. What they'll eventually want to do is have a single-payer type system. Now you have President Obama because President Obama denied it at the time. He denied that's what he was doing at the time. No, 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 we're not doing that. He didn't even go for the public option at the time. Now all of a sudden, Obama... Seven years later, saying, oh, yeah, we want Medicare for all now. People like me had been saying that from the beginning. I told you the Democrats would eventually come out and say, yeah, Obamacare is great, but it's not good enough. We need more government in the health care. And I told you that. And the Democrats were like, no, 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 you're just fear mongering. You're just scare mongering. Um, no, no. <laughs> I predicted that, and of course it's coming, and of course President Obama, who at the time said that's not what he wanted, is now pushing for it. Very interesting. 407-916-5400. So Vice President Mike Pence says he'll take a lie detector test to prove he's not the writer of that op-ed. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So if you were listening to the show or any news show last week or over the weekend, you will know that one of the top stories was the fact that there was this anonymous anonymous resistor in the Trump administration who loves a lot of what Trump is doing, loves some of the progress, but they resist, thwart some of his efforts. And some people, including some texters on this show last week, suggested that maybe it was Vice President Mike Pence. And one of the reasons why is because it says the word lodestar in the op-ed, and Mike Pence uses that word all the time. It's just kind of, I don't I, I don't think it was Mike Pence. It was obviously not Mike Pence, in my opinion. But Vice President Mike Pence was on Fox News Sunday yesterday and talking with Chris Wallace and was asked about this. This is what he said. Do you think you know who Anonymous is? I, I don't. I don't know. But I, I do know that they should resign. And leave this administration. Should all top officials take a lie detector test, and would you agree to take one? I would agree to take it in a heartbeat, and uh, would submit to, to any review the administration. You think that to do the, the administration should do that? Well, that look, that'd be a decision for the president. But uh, but look, I I, I think We're the, doing the honorable thing to do here yeah. is for this individual to recognize that they are they're literally violating an oath if they are that senior administration official that they're that they're violating an oath not to the president but to the constitution treason look it's 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 un-american and i think that's why you've seen republicans and democrats condemn this all right so mike pence says he would take a lie detector test i really 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 don't think that's going to happen. In fact, there are reports right now that they're kind of narrowing down who the person is. I truly believe that the person wants to be found. I think the person wrote that op-ed so eventually he could come out and take credit and then sell a book and get all of this attention. 
Because if you really believe what you're doing is good for the country, why would you write about it and thwart your own efforts? Why would you write about it so they can do uh so they can find you and then fire you? The, yeah, I mean that's I mean come on. If you really believe that thwarting the administration and doing this resistance stuff behind the scenes is what's best for the country, you're not going to write about it and tell the whole world what you're doing. A lot of this is attention grabbing and you're going to find out that that's exactly what whoever wrote this wanted now something mike pence at the end there said was very interesting he said both democrats and republicans have condemned this well he's right about that in fact of all people former president obama even condemned this and said this was the wrong thing to do now part of this was to criticize trump obviously but he really did criticize what this anonymous person did this is what obama said and by the way that the claim that everything will turn out okay because there are people inside the White House who secretly aren't following the president's orders. That is not a check. I'm being serious here. That's not how our democracy is supposed to work. These people aren't elected. So even Obama's like, you can't do that. So I think a lot of this um, is exaggerated, frankly. I think a lot of the Woodward, Woodward book is exaggerated, as a matter of fact. I think there was a lot of chaos in the beginning of the Trump administration, but they put in much better people, and I think it's more stable since then. But how should Trump react to all this, to the op-ed, to the Woodward book? Well, I actually think, of all people, Bill O'Reilly, who was on Glenn Beck's show on Friday, gave a suggestion to President Trump on something he should point out about all this. And I haven't heard anyone else say this, and this is actually a really, really good point. If Trump were smart, he would do this. Maybe he still will. This is what O'Reilly said on Friday. After all these interviews and all of these people trashing Trump from within his own organization, none of them tell Woodward, hey, Trump admitted that he and Vlad Putin were vacationing in the Maldives talking about the campaign. Uh-huh. I heard him say that. Uh-huh. Okay? Not one. Not one mention of any collusion with the Russians or anything. Now, if I'm Trump, that's what I latch on to. All right? So here's the best reporter, investigative reporter. The establishment says he's the best in the world. He comes out with a 400-page book. There's not, no mention of this. Okay? That's the headline. But no, no, Trump's got to go, this is all made up. It isn't made up. Woodward's not going to do that. He's not going to make it up. He's got tape recordings of talking to people, and they're saying whatever they say. I mean, that guy's not stupid. All right. So that that's a really excellent point. It's a perfect answer. It's one of the things that I thought as well, because Woodward's written like 20 books on 100 presidents. You know right. what I mean? So it's not like he's just going to ruin his entire reputation just creating fiction but here i think o'reilly's absolutely right like that's the thing you latch on to if the trump administration and they might still they might have heard that and they might actually do that but i agree with them that is one point i haven't heard anyone else bring that up but i think that's an excellent point all right deborah roberts is coming in at the top of the hour she's going to talk about the fact that it is the peak of the hurricane season 
and a Greyhound racing band makes the ballot. It's 7 o'clock here on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000 watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts, and our top stories this morning. Today is the peak of the hurricane season, and a Greyhound racing band will make the ballot. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So I'm going to tell you why Senator Ben Sass is right. Talk about that next. And good Monday morning at 7.04 on News Radio 93.1. Hurricane Florence is expected to become a major hurricane this morning on its march across the southwest Atlantic. It's currently a Category 2 storm with top winds of 105 miles per hour. Hurricane specialist John Cangiolosi says Florence will continue strengthening as it turns toward the Carolinas. It's a Category 1 now, but the forecast does show it becoming a major hurricane as early as later on the day today on Monday and then continuing to strengthen uh, through the middle part of the week. And all indications are that Florence will be a significant, powerful hurricane, a major hurricane, something like Category 3 or 4, when it nears the, the somewhere near the Carolina coastline or the mid-Atlantic states. The current forecast track takes Florence toward the Carolinas later this week, but Florida could still feel its effects. Swells generated by uh, Florence are affecting Bermuda and portions of the U.S. East Coast, including Florida. These swells are likely to cause life-threatening surf and rip current conditions. In fact, the National uh, Weather Service at Melbourne has issued a high rip current risk through this evening for beaches of Volusia, Brevard, Indian River, St. Lucie, and Martin Counties. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. I'm looking at the latest computer model tracks on Florence, and they're pretty much in agreement right now that it's going to hit North Carolina, yeah. somewhere in the North Carolina coast. So, But, I mean, all of that coast is pretty much under threat. And we still here in Florida, I mean, again, it, it's the tropics. Can't take your eyes off yeah. or assume you know what any storm is going to do. Because even though uh, Florence isn't coming here, the rip currents are. And, well, and you talked about gas prices. That's going to affect us as well. And gas prices as well. And out on the beaches, a man is dead, unfortunately, after drowning at a Volusia County beach. It happened yesterday afternoon in New Smyrna Beach near Atlantic Ave. 64-year-old Stephen um, Kalazuski of Edgewater was unconscious when he was pulled from the water and pronounced dead at the hospital. Beach Safety Ocean Rescue says there was an elevated rip current risk yesterday and 13 people had to be rescued. So keep that in mind. Even if the tropical trouble uh, doesn't exactly show up on our doorstep, we are still feeling some effects. Yeah. A ban on Greyhound Racing will be on the November ballot. Attorney Major Harding told the court it fails to inform voters, though, that the ban will mean more casinos in Florida. It is disconnecting racing from uh, casinos and establishing freestanding casinos in the state of Florida. The Florida Greyhound Association sued to get Amendment 13 off the ballot. The trial court agreed with the Greyhound industry. However, the Florida Supreme Court overturned it. The high court ruled there's no legal reason why voters shouldn't decide the fate of the amendment in November. And finally, it's that time of year when male tarantulas set out and search for a mate. As evidence of that, nature photographer David Tremblay snapped a shot of a traveling desert tarantula recently near his New Mexico ranch. Tremblay uh, tells the Albuquerque Journal the hairy spiders can walk as many as 50 miles in an attempt to find a female. 
The desert tarantula is one of several dozen species living in the southwestern and central regions of the United States. Is this something I should be worried about? Should I? (laughs) Just something to be aware. Just a little Monday note. (laughs) You you know how much of our audience right now is like shivering (laughs) because of what you did? Why? It's just a big hairy spider. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Nothing to worry about. Okay. WFLA News Time at 7.08. Read about a group deploying a huge device to help clean up that Pacific garbage patch. You can get the details at WFLAOrlando.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. Welcome to the 50,000-watt front porch. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, and I have an important announcement here as well. News Radio 93.1 and Good Morning Orlando. We have your chance to be at the Gosnell movie screening, an important movie screening on that horrible abortion doctor, Kermit Gosnell. It's this Thursday, September 13th at AMC in Altamont. The evening will feature a screening of the movie along with a Q&A session with, well, me. I will be there hosting it and hosting a Q&A session. Uh, and one of the Gosnell filmmakers will be there as well. What you want to do if you want to go to this screening and, of course, meet me, is visit <laughs> WFOAOrlando.com slash contest to sign up for tickets. The film follows the investigation, arrest, and trial of Dr. Kermit Gosnell. That is this Thursday. To sign up, you got to sign up. Go to WFOAOrlando.com slash contests so i want to talk about something ben sass senator ben sass senator from nebraska said last week and also said over the weekend and he was right on both things he said some important things we have that in orlando's news weather and traffic in just two minutes news radio 93.1 wfla so during the confirmation hearings of brett kavanaugh for the supreme court Last week, we went over a bunch of the crazy things that the Democrats were doing. I really don't think the Democrats helped themselves by that. I get why they're doing it. They're trying to fire up the base because they know they're not going to be able to stop the confirmation. But there was one really good part that came out of that confirmation hearing, and that was from Nebraska Senator Ben Sass. Now, I know I'm totally aware that there's a lot of people listening right now who do not like Senator Ben Sass because he was a never-Trumper and has not always been pro-Trump. That being said, he's still one of the more conservative members of the Senate, and I think he's smart. I think he's right on a lot of what he says, and he was right about this. During the confirmation hearing, when it was his turn to speak, he talked about why there's so much political problems when it comes to the Supreme Court. This is what he said. Because people can't navigate their way through the bureaucracy, they turn to the Supreme Court looking for politics. And knowing that our elected officials no longer care enough to do the hard work of reasoning through the places where we differ and deciding to shroud our power at times, it means that we look for nine justices to be super legislators. We look for nine justices to try to right the wrongs from other places in the process. When people talk about wanting to have empathy from their justices, This is what they're talking about. They're talking about trying to make the justices do something that the Congress refuses to do as it constantly abdicates its responsibility. Now, it was a lot longer than that. I would encourage anyone to watch his whole comments there. But this is exactly what I said on my show, Beyond Reason Radio, last week. 
The reason why everyone is so fired up about the Supreme Court is because the legislative branch, which was supposed to be the branch where you have these fights, they have abdicated their responsibility. And instead, you have the executive branch who is taking up all of the power through the bureaucracies, like it's said, and because the bureaucracies are so confusing and the laws that give them the power are so vague, then the Supreme Court gets all of this power because the Supreme Court has to go through it and try to translate it. So it's up to nine people to basically interpret and make laws instead of who should be making laws which is the legislative branch, which is Congress. The fact is the executive branch, the presidency, and the bureaucracies have gotten so powerful, especially over the last 50 years, that it's also made the Supreme Court too powerful. We should not be having these fights in those two areas. We should be having the fights either in the legislative branch in Congress or at the state level. But unfortunately, the states and Congress have given up too much of their authority, and that means the presidency and the Supreme Court have filled the vacuum on this. Senator Ben Sass was exactly right there. He said a lot more, but that was the basic, that was the essence of what he was saying. And he's right. Congress has not been doing their job. Now, he was on the Sunday shows over the weekend, and I want to play something he said here when he was on State of the Union with Jake Tapper. This is something I have been saying forever, and he is exactly right. This is what he said. Frankly, neither of these parties have a long-term vision for the future of the country. You know, 10 years from now, where are we going to be in the future of work when young people are disrupted out of jobs three times a decade? Future of war and cyber, the collapse of community. Like, there's massive stuff happening in America, and these parties are really pretty content to do 24-hour news cycles screaming at each other. The main thing that the Democrats are for is being anti-Republican and anti-Trump, and the main thing Republicans are for is being anti-Democrat and anti-CNN, and neither of these things are really worth getting out of bed in the morning for. I think we should be talking about where the country's going to be in 10 years. So I've been saying for a long time that these parties need to reform and, and have a future-focused vision, and we're not there yet. Do you agree? 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Are the parties not visionary? Are they too busy attacking each other instead of saying what they stand for? I've only been saying this forever. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And this is Yappy filling in for Bud. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Beyond Reason R. I also do my show, Beyond Reason Radio, which you can find the podcast. Uh, just search for Beyond Reason Radio on your iHeart radio apps. So I got some texts coming in. We were talking about what Senator Ben Sass said, basically calling out both parties for not having a vision for the future, that both sides are so focused now on attacking the other side and being anti the other side that they're not focused on where the country's going to be in 10 years. What young people are going to do when the job market just goes crazy because of new technology and automation. And I agree with him. 
I have some texts coming in. You can text to 23680. One person said this, said, absolutely, I agree. We don't need both parties. We should start over. Another person said, so agree. So much, I jumped through all the necessary hoops to no longer have a party affiliation. Another person said, I agree, Mike, but I'm not optimistic. We have waited too long and sides are now at polar opposites with neither side willing to give an inch. Do you agree? 407-916-5400. Let's take a call here. Let's go to Lily in Longwood. Lily, what's your take on this? I'm willing to give an inch. Um, I am an unbiased, le- uh, left-leaning liberal. Oh. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have you listen to me for a second. I'm grateful for having you, Yaffe, because I've gone back and forth with you via text message. But Oh, dear. Um, I agree. I agree. I, I've listened. I've I've listened for months, for years now, to your radio station, looking for your agenda, for you, the 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 right side's agenda. I'm very passionate, and I do not see from the right side any any care for the working poor, the elderly, the disabled. I need to know what the GOP is doing what the Republicans, what Trump or whoever is doing for these people, because the trickle-down is no longer a trickle-down. It's creating puddles and lakes and oceans way at the top for the rich. The economy is good for just the wealthy. And I hate to say it, those people that are racist, that's just how I feel. You know, and I'm sorry, I know I'm going to have a lot of disagreements, but that's just how I feel. There's nothing trickling down. For those uh, people that are working poor, that are elderly, that are disabled, nothing, nothing. Uh, all right, Lily, I appreciate your call. And um, usually what conservatives would say in response to that is we need a strong economy and that a rising tide lifts all boats and that it's not necessarily the government's job to do all this stuff because the government can make it worse. But she makes a good point that maybe the conservatives and the Republican Party need a vision to reach out to people like her Although I don't think we could convince her necessarily. She seems, I mean, that was one leftist line after another I've heard over and over again. But you could say we can reach out to people like that, but we have to stand for something and not just be against something. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to say is I originally agreed with you, but I'm not so sure I do anymore. Because when I look at what the left is perpetuating upon society right now, I think they do have a vision for the next 10 years. I think part of it. Yeah, well, basically, yeah, I think there's there's a socialist well, let me, let me aspect. Put it I this think way. there's the Medicare for all. I think there's the societal norm of the LGBT community. Let me I mean, put it this way. The progressives have a vision, and it's a very dangerous vision in my opinion. But they have a vision, and that's why they're taking over the party. But that's still, I think, a minority. When you look at the centers of the party, I think the Democrat Party right now is focused on anti-Trump or anti-Kavanaugh, or whatever it is. But that's hurting them, and that's why a lot of the progressives, the anti-establishment candidates, are winning. You're also seeing that on the right. They felt like the right wasn't helping them, so you have a lot of these anti-establishment candidates winning there. So I think that is definitely a part of it, and that's what's going to happen. Someone's going to fill that vacuum if we don't, if conservative ideas don't. Something's going to want to fill that vacuum, and what's going to fill it, especially on the left side, is not good. In my opinion, now we need a conservative megaphone. <laughs> we don't have one right now. Yeah, well, Ben Sass did a good job. Now I want to play one thing though from uh, 
Senator Ben Sasse, that he said yesterday that I kind of agree with but kind of disagree with. This is what he said. No, I'm arguing that the 2016 election was a dumpster fire uh, and that both of these candidates went into the election mostly being against the other one and the American people basically said pox on all your houses and then they decided who to vote for that was the less bad in their view and we shouldn't be having elections like that in the future. We should have two good parties that have a long-term vision for the country competing to be better than the other one, not competing to be less bad or better at the quick put down on Twitter. And so I think that, again, President Trump has done a bunch of good things mm -hmm. that the deregulation packages he's put through, the judicial nominees have been really good. But as far as focusing the country on a long-term agenda around the future of work and the future of war and helping kids understand the First Amendment again, which is something that's clearly in crisis on campus, yeah. we're not focused on any of those things, and they're more important than the day-to-day -day legislating we are doing. So I only have like 30 seconds to say this, but I'm going to say it really quick. I've heard my whole life that every presidential election is about voting for the lesser of two evils. But I think what he misunderstands and a lot of people misunderstand about Trump is there was something to his message about make America great again. There are a lot of people in this country, millions of people in this country who believe the country was going in a wrong direction. And when Trump came out and said, make America great again, they bought into what he was saying. And that was a big part of why he won, at least in the primary. I think it was more than just being the lesser of two evils. All right. Deborah Roberts just came into the studio. She has the latest news at 731 here on Good Morning Orlando. So we have uh, Deborah Roberts, who has joined me in the studio right now. And in 10 minutes, we have sound judgment. So if you want to get on the phones early, you can call right now, 407-916-5400 or 866-916-5400. The sound judgment game coming up. But first, we have Deborah Roberts with the latest news. Good morning, Deb. Yeah, good morning, Mike. As Hurricane Florence, it's about to become a major hurricane over the southwest Atlantic, but that's not enough. Forecasters are watching two other hurricanes far further out in the ocean. Both are Category 1 storms, and neither is currently threatening any land areas. Hurricane Isaac is holding steady in strength over the central Atlantic. Hurricane Helene is moving west-northwest over the eastern Atlantic and is expected to resume strengthening today. Meanwhile, a disturbance over the western Caribbean has a 30% chance of development within five days. And, oh yeah, by the way, today marks one year since Hurricane Irma came ashore in Cujo Key. We remember that time very well. Yes, we do. <laughs> can't believe it's been a year, actually. I, wow. I, yeah, only a year. <laughs> <laughs> this news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Well, there's no need to cook tonight. Good news, it's National TV Dinner Day. Oh, nice. Good thing they made it for a Monday. In the United <laughs> right. States, yeah, a TV dinner is any prepackaged dinner bought frozen from a store and heated up at home. Now, the very first one was introduced by the company C.A. Swanson & Sons in 1956. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either, but I grew up eating Swanson yeah, TV too. dinners. Which one was your favorite? Um, I was question. a big fan of the Salisbury steak. Those were good. Those were good. I think I just liked the chicken. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I liked it because it came with a vegetable and a little dessert. <laughs> Some popular brands today include Banquet, Hunger Man, Lean Cuisine, and Stouffer's. You can celebrate today by popping a TV dinner in the microwave, then pairing it with your favorite Monday night television show. Hungry man, like those. Oh, yeah. If, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> no, you cannot tell. <laughs> uh, motions hearing will be held today in Los Angeles, a Civic Center courtroom in the false advertising case against Tootsie Roll Industries. Katrina Gordon claims the company underfills its boxes of 
Junior Mints, and Sugar Babies Candies. Gordon alleges Tootsie Roll is not printing the correct amount of candy on its boxes. I think you and I agreed off mic that if you've got enough time to weigh your candy box (laughs) and file a suit, you could use a hobby. I feel like there's one of these kind of suits like once. Every day. Yeah. It seems like. Like all the time. Junior Mints and Sugar Babies were originally made by the James O. Welch Company. Tootsie Roll acquired the brands in the early 1990s. And finally, I'm so sorry, Mike. The Subway $5 foot long is going to be optional for franchisees. I'm sorry. (laughs) Really? Why you got to ruin my day? You know how much I have a... A subway foot long, at least like three three times a week, I think. Well, company CEO Trevor Haynes tells USA Today that the restaurant tried to bring back the sandwich deal last winter, but franchisees got angry. They apparently didn't make any money off of them given the price of ingredients. So that's why they won't be mandatory anymore. The restaurants will be able to try their own specials like some stores in California are doing where they're experimenting with paninis. I'm going to go out on a limb once again and say that because the franchise owner that you shop at knows that you alone account for at least three yes. footlongs a week, right? I'm going to predict that the footlong <laughs> deal at your store will remain. All right, good. They better. Now, they're, they have wraps, too, now, which are really good, All right. believe it or not. I'm just happy you have another option because I feel really <laughs> bad ruining your Monday. Oh. <laughs> uh. Thanks. You're welcome. We'll we'll find out. I'll give you a report later this week. You better. (laughs) All right. We have the sound judgment game coming up next. Sound judgment for a great prize. 407-916-5400 or 866-916-5400 for the sound judgment game. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, and it is time for some fun and games. We have the sound judgment question coming up in just a sec. But Austin is going to tell you what you can win if you get the question right. They have a fantastic prize if they get this question right. Enjoy a night out where you can have fun, learn more about your spouse, and fix your financial problems. The Money and Marriage event brought to you by Dave Ramsey at Calvary Orlando is tomorrow and if you win Sound Judgment, you will get a pair of tickets to this wonderful event. All right. It is it is a great event. It is um it is uh, Rachel Cruz, right? That's gonna that's gonna be there? That is correct. Rachel Cruz and Dr. Les Parrot. Perot Parrot. All right, my, my girlfriend is a big fan of hers. I don't know if that should worry me because it's a marriage event, so she is not going to that event, but you have a chance to win tickets to the event. Four oh seven. 916-5400-866-916-5400. So over the weekend, tennis player Serena Williams was fined $17,000 for code violations during Saturday's U.S. Open. She was arguing with the umpire because she was penalized for receiving coaching, which she denies. Listen to some of the exchange here and then use your sound judgment to tell me how many U.S. Opens has Serena Williams won? Now Serena's confused by the score being called out. This is unbelievable. Every time I play here, I'm called to talk. Yeah, that's a warning. I didn't get coaching. I didn't get coaching. 
I didn't get coaching. You need to take, you need to make an announcement that I didn't get coaching. I don't cheat. I didn't get coaching. How can you say that? All right, so obviously she was upset, but how many, she did not win that match, of course, but how many U.S. Opens has she won? Let's go to the toll-free. Toll-free, how many U.S. Opens has Serena Williams won? Toll-free? Or line five, line five. Line five? Four? Nope, that is incorrect. 407-916-5400. Let's go to line two. Line two, how many has she won? Six. That's exactly right. Six U.S. Opens. She's won a total of 23 Grand Slam singles titles in her career. All right. What's your name? Where are you calling from, winner? Bernie in Orlando. Bernie in Orlando. Well, I'm going to put you on hold. Austin is going to tell you how you can get that prize, and congratulations on that. Another happy contest So Serena Williams came out later and said that this is proof that the umpires are sexist, or at least that this umpire is sexist, that if she were a man, the umpire would not have penalized her if for doing what she was doing, yelling at the umpire. Is this really a thing, that tennis is sexist against women? Or was she just yelling and got penalized for it? I don't know. There's all Billie Jean King came out and agreed with her, said this is a big problem in tennis. Umpires are much stricter on women than they are on men. I'm not a huge tennis fan, so maybe I don't know. Somebody tell me. Is this a thing? Like is tennis really sexist now? Or is just is this just another excuse? Four oh seven nine one six fifty four hundred. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, and the Rush Morning Update in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So is tennis, or the tennis league, what, what is, see, I don't even watch tennis that much. What is it called? What's the tennis league called? You're the sports guy, Paul. Tell me. Um, I think it's the association. The Tennis Association. Just the Tennis Association, that's it? Well, I think it's the National Tennis Association. I don't know. I thought you would know. You guys are making making fun of me for not knowing. It's either like the WTA or the NTA, the World Tennis Association. Yeah, something like that. It's the association. (laughs) Okay, well, anyways, Serena Williams said that um, this is proof that the league is sexist because she got called for what's called a coaching violation which i didn't even know was a penalty but i guess it's not a very common penalty that's what you guys were telling me in the break no it's not apparently what was going on is her her husband coach somebody was giving her a thumbs up and the referee or the umpire i forget which one they're called the umpire decided that uh he was giving her hand signals and trying to coach her on what to do next oh okay. and that's how it came about and it's the usta by the way the The united states tennis association the USTA, okay, and she got really upset and got penalized for it because she was yelling at the umpire, right. which we played earlier, and now she's saying that if she were 
a man yelling at the umpire the same way that he wouldn't have cared as much. Which that this is sexist. Uh, I don't know if I want to call it sexist, but I can say that in the tennis that I have watched, if we think about the Andre Agassiz of the world, there was a lot of screaming at the umpire that happened without 17, or maybe they did get $17,000 fines. I don't know. Yeah, somebody calls. There's got to be tennis fans out there. Somebody tell me, is this a thing? Like, when I saw this, I was like, something else is sexist now? A sport is sexist? All Umpires are sexist? Are sexist? <laughs> like, I just, I just don't. I don't know. I was like, really? <laughs> You're so done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, come on. Or did she just violate the rules and got mad and got penalized for it, which well, happens in men's sports do all the time? What happens is it's one of those things where there's no hard and fast rule and it's up to the umpire's discretion. So it makes it very easy to go down the sexist route because there's nothing that determines whether he can or cannot do it. It's just up right. to his discretion. But I guess I just want to know. I feel like penalties like this happen in men's sports too and men tennis too like i don't didn't know this was specific to women's sports or maybe it is some tennis fan tell me 407-916-5400 i just you know we don't have any tennis fans listening. Right? <laughs> i mean i just i just you look up the news and somebody else is a victim of something there's another victim group and now it's women's tennis players are now victims. Four oh seven. What color is their ribbon going to be? That's the question. I, uh, I, oh, not another <laughs> ribbon. All right, it's seven fifty nine here on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. Welcome to the fifty thousand watt front porch, where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio ninety three point one WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning. Today is the peak of the hurricane season, and a charter school amendment won't be on the November ballot. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Oh, I'm bringing it back. What? Any call on any topic, you can ask Yaffe anything or tell Yaffe anything. Ask or tell me anything this hour. Call 407-916-5400 or text to 23680. And good Monday morning. It's 803 on News Radio 93.1. Today is the peak of the Atlantic hurricane season and forecasters at the National Hurricane Center in Miami are earning their pay, keeping up with three hurricanes swirling out in the Atlantic Ocean. Hurricane Florence is bearing down on the Carolinas, where it may arrive as a major hurricane as early as Thursday. Then comes Hurricane Isaac, packing 75-mile-per-hour winds, which is churning toward the Caribbean. For the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico, um, those areas need to monitor uh, Isaac, although it's still very uncertain. And at least for now, our forecast track goes to the south of those locations. But they should certainly monitor Isaac uh, since they're near the path, the expected path of the system. Hurricane specialist John Cangiolosi says furthest out is Hurricane Helene, which is expected to stay well out to sea. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving just won't go away. There are reports George Zimmerman has threatened rap mogul Jay-Z and a superstar wife, Beyonce. Jay-Z is the producer of that new documentary about Trayvon Martin, the teenager Zimmerman shot and killed while acting as a neighborhood watch volunteer in Sanford. The celebrity news website The Blast reports Zimmerman insulted and threatened Jay-Z and Beyonce in text messages to a private investigator. Zimmerman, of course, acquitted of second-degree murder and the 2012 shooting death 
of the unarmed 17-year-old African-American. Threatening Beyonce might not be the route he wants to go down. Especially not when you're going to mess know, with Jay-Z. I don't know if he's he's a, has any resemblance of what the beehive is. <laughs> exactly. But threatening Beyonce is not the smart move. He, he doesn't have any. <laughs> yeah, he has been he's been wrestling with that beehive for a few years now. I'm telling you what, there's one bee in that beehive that works right here in this building that will go toe to toe with him, like first on. Oh, real, why big Beyonce Sa- fan? Oh, huge Sabrina of the News Junkies. That's what I'm talking oh. about. Man. Yeah, you she can't will play take with the beehive. Oh man. no, no, you she can't. Will, she will take him down. <laughs> okay, <laughs> forget Serena Williams. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> All right, the Florida Supreme Court is ruling against putting a charter school amendment on the November ballot. League of Women Voters lawyer Ron Myers says this is a major win for public schools and the League of Women Voters. Why did they hide the fact? Why did they come in with this cutesy language? Nobody knows what that means, Your Honor, and that shouldn't be the basis for a voter to make an informed decision on a constitutional amendment. Amendment 8 would have allowed new charter schools to be created without the consent of the local school board. The high court issued their decision without a formal opinion, but an explanation is expected later. Critics have called Prop 8 a stealth amendment because it didn't specifically mention charter schools. The court made their decision public prior to the printing of absentee ballots. One in 10 U.S. college students have attempted suicide. A new study finds at least one in five have thought about it. The Brigham and Women's Hospital report looked at thousands of students at colleges across the nation back in 2015. A quarter of students said they had been diagnosed with a mental health issue over the previous year, and nearly three quarters said they had experienced some type of stressful event over the same period, be it financial, social, or academic. Sexual minorities showed greater rates of self-harm. Asian students had higher rates of suicidal behavior, but fewer diagnosed mental health issues than white students, while black students had lower rates across the board. And finally, the story matters because today is World Suicide Prevention Day. The annual observance aims to make people around the world aware that suicide can be prevented. Hundreds of activities in 70 countries include educational and commemorative events, press briefings and conferences, and coverage on Facebook and Twitter. The World World Health Organization, rather, is a co-sponsor and reports nearly 800,000 people kill themselves every year. To put it another way, someone commits suicide every 40 seconds somewhere on Earth. WFLA News Time, it's 8.08. Read about a teen falling to his death while taking a selfie at Yosemite National Park. Online now at WFLAOrlando.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. You're never more than 10 minutes away from the latest news, weather, and traffic. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, this is now News Radio 93.1 WFLA. If you're listening, on 102.5 that is going to go away at the end of the month so you want to change it to 93.1 and make sure to program that setting we are of course still on am 540 as well this is yaffe filling in for bud bud will be back tomorrow we have deb doing the news paul is producing and austin screening your calls at 407-916-5400 And it is Ask or Tell Yaffe Anything for the 8 o'clock hour. Ask or Tell Yaffe 
anything, and you can also text to 23680. I just wanted to clarify that's that's uh, ask or tell Yaffe anything. Yes. <laughs> Not what are you getting at? Not me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not Deb. Not me. Not Paul. Not Austin. Just Yaffe. Just Yaffe. We only want to pick Yaffe's brain. <laughs> so we can do that in this whole 8 o'clock hour. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well in just two, two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. By the way, this hour, we're, it's ask or tell Yaffe anything. But if you want to meet me in person, you can meet me this Thursday for the Gosnell movie screening. The film follows the investigation, arrest, and trial of Dr. Kermit Gosnell. What you want to do, if you want to go to that movie screening, it's this Thursday, September 13th at the AMC in Altamont. Um, you want to go to WFLAOrlando.com slash contest to sign up for tickets. Uh, the evening will feature a screening of the movie along with a Q&A session with me and one of the Gosnell filmmakers. So if you uh, don't get a chance to talk to me this morning, you can meet me Thursday night for that movie screening. All right, so let's take some calls for Ask or Tell Yaffe Anything. We have a bunch of calls, it looks like. On this idea, Serena Williams got penalized for yelling at the umpire, and she says this is proof that the umpires and the league is sexist, that if she were a man, she would not have been penalized for that reason. We got some calls on that. Let's go to Joe in Orlando. Joe, what's your take on this? Um, Hey, thanks for uh, giving me your time, taking my call. Sure, no problem. Um, yeah, I was just calling about the Serena thing. Um I don't watch a ton of tennis. I kind of just, um, I just see it on all the time. My dad watches a lot of tennis, and I've just like never seen a match like so unprofessional. Honestly, it was just, really? um, it was, it was just, um, you know, her coach actually after the game. She claims in the press conferences and everything she wasn't being coached or anything, but her coach actually, if you look it up after the game, admits to coaching her. He admitted to giving her signs and coaching her throughout the match. And she happened to get caught. And when she was caught, she could have just took the one penalty. But she decided, if you listen to the when she's mic'd up, the ref isn't even talking to her, isn't giving her any acknowledgement. He's just doing his job. Yet she pesters him and takes shots at him and continues to say something as if a referee will take back his call, which we all know. An umpire referee will not take back their call after it stands, you know? Right. And you say, you know, you say this has nothing to do with her being a woman, that she really did just act very unprofessionally. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched, like, men's tennis games, and I've, I've never seen anyone come at the ref so persistently. You know, it might be uh, one little comment or, like, another little comment, but it's not like they're just sitting next to the ref continuously taking comments and shots, and then she proceeded to call him a thief, and he drew a line to where he said, the match needs to go on. The match is no matter what going on, and I'm not going to be pestered by one of the players in the court. Interesting. And the way I see it, if it was the other woman, she, I feel like, would have taken it so much more professionally, and she wouldn't have started any type of problem. She, she's a woman also, and you could see that she was very professional, respectable, and the way I see it is, Serena, really, she she got screwed out of a point, but she screwed herself out of another one. 
Okay. All right, Joe. I appreciate it. Now, uh, Paul, you say that that is not. That's so not true. Which part is not true? 90% of everything he said is not true. What Specifically, part? mostly the part that he's never. Now, I don't know what he's seen. Maybe he has never seen a more unprofessional match. But John McEnroe is all I have to say. Is that one name? Well, I, John had, a bunch, I had a bunch of texts <laughs> come in mentioning him. Yeah, like John McEnroe, Andre Agassi. There's a hundred matches where it was way worse than anything Serena did. But and, they got penalized he, for it. They also got penalized for it, yes. But then also he his claim that the referee wasn't talking to her is completely baseless at all as, as well because they were going back and forth. The referee wasn't yelling at her like she was yelling at the referee or the umpire, but they were certainly going back and forth. So 90% of everything he said is completely false. All right, 407-916-5400. I did not watch the whole thing. I watched stuff afterwards. You're right. The ref was talking to her as well. She was pretty persistent. There's no doubt about she that. She was very persistent. And she did call she him a thief. She was talking real tough. But I did not see, and you said that the coach admitted to giving a thumbs up, but did not admit to coaching right. her. I did, yeah, I didn't see he claimed that the part. coach. Apparently the coach claims all coaches are coaching during the matches, but he never admitted like, yes, I was coaching her during the match. If you All get right. the kind of parallel there. Gotcha. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. It is ask or tell Yaffe anything. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Lots of calls on Serena Williams saying... Why are you laughing so much in there, Paul? Because I know this is not what you expected from this topic. Uh, yeah, I will. You thought it would carry a little bit, and I'm... then we kind of move on to <laughs> something else. No, well, I mean, but I kind of understand it because when I saw the headline over the weekend, I'm like, another thing is sexist? Like, I just, I get so annoyed by all of the victimization in this country. Like, can, you can got we be, uh, Can we be rebranded as 93.1 The Game? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, um, by the way, let's play some of the audio of Serena Williams. Whether she got, um, she was complaining to the umpire that she did not get coaching, even though the, the umpire penalized her for it, and uh, she went off on the umpire. This, this is it. Now Serena's confused by the score being called out. I didn't get coaching. I didn't get coaching. You need to take. You need to make an announcement that I didn't get coaching. I don't cheat. I didn't get coaching. How can you say that? You need to. You need to. You owe me an apology. You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. I have a daughter, and I stand with right for her. And I've never cheated. All right. So um, that that was her, and she got penalized for that. Now, I don't think Serena is saying that the coaching penalty was sexist. I think she's arguing that the umpire, you know, docking her a point point because of her response to it. That was sexist. That's what they're saying. And I'm just like, now tennis is sexist. Like, you just can't you just can't put on the news about something being sexist or something else. I just uh, let's take another call here. Let's go to Joey in Champions Gate. Joey. What's your take on this? Well, I'm I'm okay that uh, it's all sexist. It should be. 
And um, I would like to say that why didn't she complain about sexism the first time she raised a trophy after only winning two sets? So your first part said it should be sexist. What do you mean by that? Yeah, men and women should be treated differently. It it makes perfect sense. We're different. Well, you're right. We are different. But what do you mean by treated differently? You're going to make well, him well, say listen, it. The only reason women's sports even exist is because they can't beat the men. Okay. I mean, a lot of people don't like that, but that's that's a pretty true comment. Oh, he hung up. I wanted to get what he meant by treat them differently. <laughs> you but, were trying to make him say it. He wasn't going to say it. Uh, but he's right, though. Even Serena Williams has admitted that if she had to compete on the, in the men's league, she she would not be able to compete in that league. Because men have more, they're built differently. They have more testosterone. They're stronger. I mean, that's just a fact. Yeah. I think one of her main points is that on the men's side, she's watched, and I don't know if it's been in this era, previous era, certainly the McEnroe Agassi era. She's watched men scream, yell, curse, fight, kick, throw, blah, 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 right. blah, before they get docked that same penalty. Right. So yeah, she, she's saying that's that's the and I'm like, is it really? I I don't watch tennis enough to really know, but um, I don't know. That's why I wanted you guys to call. Let's take another call. Let's go to Cheryl in Claremont. Cheryl, what's your take on this? Yes, uh, first of all, the idiot who just called. You might want to remind him that Billie Jean King did beat Bobby Riggs in tennis, so it is possible. Might be an age disparity, but yeah, there was a big age disparity there, though. But for Serena, you know, anyone who knows her for over 20 years, she doesn't need coaching because a coach says thumbs up or any type of hand signals. She's not going to change her game at that point. That's a good she's point. She's going to do. Now, her throat hitting the racket on the ground, definitely. The point, fine. But he let them get up from their chairs and afterwards, and they called them back and then took away the point. Then, Another on the game one, he let them go out there. They're on the court ready to play at 4-3, and he calls them over and assesses because she says he's a thief because he took the point away. Well, to me, I think she's right about that. I've watched, and I watched tennis faithfully. I have for almost 60 years. Well, okay, so you are still doing the same thing and worse. They're hitting their rackets. They're breaking them. They're doing this. And they're continually all she asked. And they're not for penalized. An apology. And they're not penalized. Are the men penalized when they do it? Not to a point of the game, no. And they continue to argue with the referee. Okay. I mean, I don't. And the thing is, like Serena, fine. You gave her the point. You wouldn't take all she asked for was an apology that she was not a cheater. That's all she wanted from him. Okay. I mean, she was pretty persistent and constantly badgering him about it. It seemed like, but. Yeah, I asked my mom. My mom watches tennis all the time, religiously, and she's a huge Serena fan. She says she's only seen something like this happen once, and that was about five or six years ago. What, when you say something like this, what is the something? The penalty for that type of interaction with a, with a umpire. Okay. Well, maybe he is sexist, or maybe he just didn't like her. I don't know. Uh, 407-916-5400, text to 2368 Zero. You can ask or tell Yaffe anything. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Deborah Roberts is coming in in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. 
All right, Deborah Roberts joins me in the studio. She has the latest news, including those hurricanes that yeah. are out in the Atlantic. Three of them now. Three hurricanes all out there, including a disturbance as well in the Western Caribbean. But it turns out all eyes are on Hurricane Florence, which is rapidly strengthening over the southwest Atlantic and is expected to become a major hurricane this morning. Top winds are still 105 miles per hour, making it a Category 2 storm. But hurricane specialist John Cangiolosi says Florence isn't done powering up. Predicted wind speeds are to get stronger as it approaches. Um, we have a prediction of it getting up to, well, we do it in knots, 130 knots uh, in a couple of days. Uh, and then, so that is category four strength by the time it gets near the east coast of the United States. The current forecast track takes Hurricane Florence toward the southeastern coast of the United States, somewhere in the Carolinas on Thursday. Today, by the way, is the statistical peak of the Atlantic hurricane season, which ends November 30th. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Fake checks. Sounds like a crime from the 20th century, but it's a growing problem in 2018. Brian Oglesby with the Better Business Bureau's West Florida office in Clearwater says scammers are gaming federal requirements that banks clear checks quickly. Banks have to make deposited funds available quickly. It's the law. But the bank may not learn for days, even sometimes for a couple weeks, that the check was a bad check. And by then, the scammer has your money and you have to repay the bank, and it's your responsibility to pay them. Yeah, Oglesby says small businesses and people of all ages are getting scammed, but interestingly enough, he says people in their 20s who didn't grow up in a world of paper checks are most likely to be victimized. What do you think? Why is that? Is it because they just, can't recognize a bad check? Or? They didn't grow up in the world of checks, so they don't know how to recognize yeah. a bad check from a good check. They're so used to paying everything either with an right. app or with a credit card that... Hmm. Knowing a bad check can cost you a lot of money, and I, it was news to me to find out it's our responsibility to repay yeah. the bank back. I didn't know that either. I didn't. Well, Tesla CEO Elon Musk is once again facing backlash after video surfaced of him apparently smoking pot and drinking whiskey. Musk was on a video podcast last week with show host Joe Rogan, who said the joint was marijuana. The interview was done in California, where recreational weed is legal. Musk said he doesn't regularly smoke weed because, quote, he doesn't find it's very good for productivity, end quote. Musk said running Tesla is his hardest job and that it's, quote, very difficult to keep a car company alive, end quote. Well, Tesla shares were hit hard on Friday after the Thursday appearance and followed other recent comments Musk has made about the difficulty he's had with the company. And finally, Musk wasn't the only thing that got as high as a kite. SpaceX chalks up another successful launch and landing this morning from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. After a more than one-hour weather delay, a Falcon 9 rocket lifted off at 12.45 a.m. Eastern Time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition, liftoff. There goes Elon Musk. (laughs) Oh, Deb. Nice. Thanks. The rocket deployed a communications satellite into orbit. Minutes after the launch, the Falcon 9 booster landed on SpaceX's drone ship named, of course, I Still Love You. You can get these stories and more at WFLAOrlando.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe continues now. Uh, That was good. (laughs) Thanks. SpaceX new slogan, we know how to get high. Hey, there you go. (laughs) Come get high with us. (laughs) So it is ask or tell Yaffe anything for this hour. And by the way, I got a text that came in, kind of interesting. It says, 
Syria is threatening to gas humans, and all we can talk about is tennis. Yeah, thanks, Pete and Claremont. <laughs> it's uh, kind of a good point, but I I opened up the phones. I said, ask or tell Yaffe anything, and that's what people are calling about. But if you want to call on Syria, you want to call on Trump, Come you want to call Claremont. on Pence, you want to call on Ben Sass. I played his comments in the last hour. You can call on all of those things. Just call 407-916-5400. If you just want to ask me a question... You can do that as well, 407-916-5400. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Well, Pete was calling in on a different topic, and I put, and I was going to take his call, finally, and he hung up. Pete, call back, because I wanted to get a different topic in. All right, let's take some other calls, though. Everyone else wants to talk about Serena Williams and calling tennis sexist. I mean... I didn't know if it was or not. I don't really watch tennis that much. It just seems like every time I look at the news, something else is sexist or something. Well, you know, our news director who watches a lot of tennis, he came in and he set the record straight and said, yes, it was sexist. Yeah. Yeah. He said that there was another umpire who was like helping on the in the men's the tournament, men, yeah, in the men's side, there was a umpire who was helping him and giving him a pep talk, <laughs> like what, calming him down and all kinds of stuff. So he was aye, like, aye, "Yeah, aye. all right, completely is." <laughs> Let's take another call. Let's go to Rhonda in Deltona. Rhonda, what's your take on this? Yes, <clears throat> yes good morning, Yaffe. Um, yeah, I'm I'm an avid tennis player and I watched the whole match. I just wanted to summarize what actually happened. I I joined into the conversation late. Um, all right, Rhonda, all, give us the sports report. Okay. So um, the first set, she lost two to six. The second set, she was still falling behind. Uh, The coach, her coach, was coaching her from the stands. He even admitted it afterwards. He said, we all do it. Um, Yeah, I was just looking up that, and he said, he says, all coaches are coaching throughout the the match, but check the record. I've never been called for a coaching violation in my career. And he said right. that Serena did not see what he was doing. Right. Now, I don't know if everybody knows, but her father was her coach years ago, and he was actually banned from the stadium because he couldn't keep from coaching his girls. Oh, um, the did other, not know that. The other, yes, the other thing is she got a verbal warning for the coaching, which really, this is an important match. She should have, she in her heart probably knew that she... So she saw the thumbs up, and it wasn't a thumbs up. It was a move to the net motion. And she sort of accepted it, moved on, and played her game. But she continued to stew about it. Then she lost another game, and she broke her racket, which I understand other males do break their rackets on the court, but she was obviously escalating because of this initial incident. So that's why she lost the point, because she crashed her racket. Okay, then, so here's well, after that happened, yeah, she was ahead. really unglued, and then she assaulted the referee, calling him a thief, and you stole my point, and she just kept going on and on. She called officials onto the court. The thing that happened was unprecedented and in, in really in tennis history. Well, they, okay. The commentators were mentioning You, you that. said the word assaulted. So then she lost Rhonda, the game Rhonda, Rhonda, because of the verbal Rhonda, assault. Rhonda, Rhonda, uh, can you hear me? <laughs> Sorry. Rhonda, I wanted to stop you because you said she assaulted the referee. Did, was it really assault? Now, Rhonda, Rhonda, she's still talking. Ron, Rhonda, 
put it up again. Maybe a double standard here, but I think in her situation... Uh, apparently it's the Rhonda show. <laughs> Rhonda, I'm going to have to let you go because... Uh, Rhonda, can you uh, hear me? That's my take on it. Rhonda. Rhonda? some reason, she can't hear me. All right, so she gave us an interesting sports report, but she said that she assaulted... Yeah. Um, the umpire. I don't think it's assaulting. Yeah, we throw those words around a little too liberally. It was a... Uh, can I say whining? <laughs> Is that too bad? It seemed kind of like whining. Yeah, I mean, she was playing. She was playing the tough guy card or the tough girl card. You know, she like I said, she was demanding her apology, and you know, she told him, "You'll now, never work another match of mine ever yeah, again." You know, I see. I think somebody else said this. I think that part of that is because she's big time. Yeah, she's you know? top dog. She's supposed to be the best, and she's probably right. If she says he doesn't work another match of mine, he probably doesn't. Yeah, so some are even saying that she got upset because he uh because she hasn't been doing as well. Yeah. Ever since she had her baby and came back has not been doing as well. I in think these it's matches. I, it's probably a compilation of things that frustrated her in that moment that kind of culminated in this. You know what I mean? But is it sexist? I'm getting people saying it is, getting some people that's saying it's not. And this is apparently the topic everybody cares about today. If you want to call on anything else, this is Ask Yaffe or Tell Yaffe Anything. Nobody wants to call on anything. You can call 407-916-5400 or text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. It's 849 here on Good Morning Orlando. All right. And uh, we have more calls and texts. Still people calling on uh, the Serena Williams thing. Somebody gave the ultimate solution, though, although this might be seen as sexist, said um, what they should do is change the rules so only women can referee women's matches so no one can whine about the sexist thing. So if a woman gives another woman a penalty, you can't say it's sexist. So, But then some would say having to do that is sexist, and I, 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 don't, I don't even know anymore. Let's take another call here. Let's go to... Brad in Winter Park. Brad, what's your take on all this? Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, I um, I've been following tennis for over thirty years uh, myself, and there there is precedent here. It's kind of a pattern, if you will. You go back to the final against Kim Kleisters, and when you watch the slow mo replays, you see multiple footfall infractions. So the line judge was correct there, even though they wanted to protect. Serena, she was a big star, but that was actually a threat of physical violence. It wasn't just cursing. She said she was going to take the ball and shove it down. This was a little line judge. She ran to the umpire, very scared. And I only see this say this because she's been on top so long and never been challenged. So you're starting to see a little emotional duress here. And the referee did not owe her an apology because if the coach was doing it and he admitted he was, you can just assess it on there. It has nothing to do with Serena. The rule goes both ways. It was her way of deflecting the heat off herself and onto another person. In no way did that referee owe her an apology. So we're just kind of making things up here, trying to protect a big star. It's sad to see it happen, but... I'm noticing it when she's challenged, and she hasn't been because she's been on top for so long. Um, it, you know, and good or bad, the sex is common, indifference or whatever, you could make certain changes, but let's not protect where there's, you know, go in a protection mode here. Call it for what it is um, and try not to sugarcoat it. And, you know, she's a great champion, but I just feel like a lot of people, like you had one caller call up and bring up the thing on um, Bobby Riggs. Well, he was in his 50s. 
she knows that. So she's trying to make something out of nothing there. You know, people who follow tennis, you know, we, we love the sport, but we, we just want to get it right, you know. If, if gotcha. can, Are you a tennis fan? Oh, my God, 30 years. I, I used to watch uh, McEnroe back in the day. And you remember uh-huh. his tirades, right? He would he would curse people. But one thing about McEnroe is he never threatened anybody with violence. He never said, I'm going to take this ball and shove it down your throat. You know, it's, gotcha. that's a, a line that I think should never be crossed. You know. All right, Brad, I, I appreciate your call. I mean, it's been a very interesting ask or tell, Yaffe, anything. But I, I understand why this topic is important to a lot of people because – this kind of stuff is thrown around in our society in so many different areas. It's not necessarily the sports aspect that I think people are on fire about. It's the sexism aspect because how many times on this show or in the news or whatever do you hear about something being sexist? And it's kind of getting to the point where now it's like, oh, now tennis is sexist? Now this thing? We're adding this? To-? And people, I just think people kind of get tired of all this and i think that's why the phones were on fire about this more than anything more than just the sport and keeping the sport better it's about this idea of oh my gosh everything is sexist and when is this gonna stop why is everyone always a victim of something in our society all right i appreciate you listening to the show today this is yaffe filling in for bud bud will be back tomorrow and uh don't Don't forget, we're moving to 93.1, so change your settings to 93.1. And, of course, we're still on AM 540. And I'll end the show just like Bud does. God bless you, and God bless America, and catch you next time.